What up, peeps? Welcome into Unscripted and Unprepared, brought to you by Real Screen Magazine. I'm Jimmy Fox, and this episode is my sit-down with Ari Mark, the co-founder of Ample. Ample is a very exciting production company co-founded along with Phil Lott. These guys are seemingly in business with everybody, from Discovery Channel to ID to Facebook. The company's blowing up. I found this to be an interesting episode because Ari was a former network executive and went into business for himself. So if you have the desire and the drive to one day launch your own production company and think about how you would define your brand as a content company, this is the episode for you. We talked about Cooper's Treasure and how Steven Spielberg is a partner of theirs on this show. Also, if you love the show, if you're one of the loyal peeps, go rate and review our show right now on iTunes or have your assistant do it. This is my sit down with Ari Mark. I hope you enjoy it. I feel like the last time you and I spoke was like two years ago in at Real Screen East. And you had like just launched. I think you were only like a year in maybe. Yeah. And I remember telling you how impressed I was that you had, to quote the great Mick Foley, the testicular fortitude <laughs> to go out on your own yeah. and lay it all on the line yeah. and start literally from scratch on your own dime. But remind me, I feel like in that conversation you told me you had to like beg, borrow, and steal yeah, at the beginning to form the company with your yeah, partner. Definitely. Um, it was interesting because everyone, everyone told us um, not to do it. Right. Which is really weird when you say to people, hey, guess what? If Ari sounds a little distracted right now, it's because there's a, <laughs> there's a hand blower <laughs> noise coming from the bathroom on the other side of the wall from us here at Real Screen West. So periodically there will be people using there's, the women's room. But this is nice. There's like a beautiful women's room here. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're use... the private, private state room. <laughs> yeah, really we're cool. at Bungalow right now in this giant room. This is the difference between east and west. Yes, yeah. that's true. We're like on the beach. Um, Sorry. So when you started the company. No, so when I started the company, you know, it was interesting because we were excited and enthusiastic, but we're also very, very, when I say we, I'm talking about Phil Lott, my business partner. Um, We're also very practical people who've been in this business for a while. And the idea of starting our own company definitely felt like something that um, we knew we were going to get a lot of sort of, okay, sure, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And... What's I have to say, and I have a lot to say about sort of like the non-scripted community in general, but we did get a lot of, um, hey, I get it. Like right away, like hmm. you and you together, I get it. I understand the company. I understand your brand. You know, um, I think what helped was also that we spent a lot of time think, genuinely thinking about that brand. And because I think that style and brand isn't just something that, is something we can always articulate with words. I think it is an emotional thing too. Mm. We said, well, let's put some tapes together because we actually, you know, believe it or not, before I was an exec, I actually made some stuff. So, you know, we know how to edit, we know how to shoot and Phil's like the right. fucking best at all of that. Um, and so we sat down and we spent, I want to say like it was Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it, was, it couldn't have been more than, what year is this? This is 20, this is right after Xbox shut down dramatically. Right. We're going to get there in a second. We're going to get there. Oh, that's yeah. a long, that's a long story. <laughs> but, but that must've been, that was about three and a half years ago. Three and a half years ago. It's around Thanksgiving, Christmas. And you guys are like, let's just do it. Let's just, well, basically what happened was. We and, you, said, and you are a 15 year network executive veteran at this point, And he is one of the best showrunners, cinematographers in the game. That's right. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, I, um, 
just to set the stage for you really quick, uh, literally, and this is why it sort of goes hand in hand with Xbox. I mean, I was literally sitting in the Xbox office while they were yanking art off the wall. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I'm sitting there being like, and you, you know, you have that moment. And I'm not a panicker. You know what I mean? I don't panic. But I definitely had that moment of like, okay, well, here's a fork in the road. You know, because oftentimes you don't have the opportunity to stop for a second and say, well, which way am I going to go here? What am right. I going to do? But you know, after you have that sort of corporate experience, especially at a level like Microsoft, um, it's great. It's the best thing that could happen to you because it forces you to completely reevaluate where you are and it forces you to say, you know, you take that sort of, it's like in the movie where you basically just pull out and you're just seeing a random guy standing on a road and it's like, I don't know if I can know which way to go. Right. And so it, make, it, it forced me to be very self-aware and say, okay, like, what am I doing? You know, and for me, it was always... I always wanted to make things, you know, and I always, I think as an exec, I think you can really only get so close to the material no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. No matter how good you are, no matter how aggressive you are, um, I think you can only get so close to the material. And, you know, at that point, I sort of felt like I had something to prove a little bit. I really did. I felt like... Well, um, I was thinking about that. Yeah. You'd been on the buying side for 15 years. Yeah. You'd been at Sundance. Yeah. AMC, Xbox, I'm sure other, other stops in there, right? And I was, I was doing like the math in my head of other producers mm-hmm. that were a buyer for that long yeah. that immediately found the success that you have found mm-hmm. on the selling side. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Like I couldn't think of who has stepped out of being a buyer for that long in this market, this current climate we're in, yeah. and had a string of hits that you've been able to put together in three years. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah, thank you. Can you. I mean, did that go through your mind? Because yeah. I can think of many examples that have left – the chair at the network and then go get an overall deal somewhere and yeah. it doesn't pan out the way they plan. Right. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think, look, it's a, it's, you know, I've always, I think I've, I'm not a risk adverse person. I don't really worry about being in a position where, um, things aren't going to work out. I don't know if that makes any sense. I just, I, you know, I think I always felt like, um, I, I, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. I don't think it crossed my mind, yeah. to be honest with you. I Just because – That's where me and you are very different. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all no, all I think about is when this doesn't work out, what is my plan B? Wait, I guess the question I would have yeah. is, was Xbox still paying you? Mm, no, I mean, although it did help. Did it they did. terminate your contract early and they have to pay you out? It did help. Did I that mean, give you like a runway? I will be honest with you. This I have a really messed up story that I could sit here and tell you, and the question is whether I should. About Xbox? Yeah. I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I think everyone in their car at the gym right now is saying yes. All right, so here's the story. Okay. So what essentially happened is, you know, they shut down the offices. But you got to understand, like, um, we were all poached from these pretty significant jobs that we, uh, that we already had. And so they had, you know, all the people there really were, like, a great collection of people. Like, right. huge talent, super talent. They poach you from AMC. Yeah. And they give you the head of development for Unscripted, right? Yeah. At Xbox. Exactly. And Xbox is meant to be this new emerging platform where they're going to do original content like everybody else. Exactly. But at the time, they were really first in. I mean, so this was an opportunity right. to bring content straight to the consumer, to over 100 million homes, with no fucking red tape, like just straight to them because they're already on the Xbox. You have right. All these people are already there. All they have you to already do is one more click. It's you have in. the audience, yeah. So how do you screw that up? So um, <laughs> I think we're about to find out. <laughs> so basically what they did was they pulled, you know, and I'm not going to get into all the corporate politics that, pro- that sort of trickled down to sort of really make that thing happen. But, you know, what happened with me personally on the, on the financial side was 
a big promise of the deals that they, they were using to bring us all in was a giant, giant stock mm. bonus. Mm. And it was pretty hefty, you know? And so my feeling was like, whatever, you know, worst case scenario, right. um, worst case scenario, Did I invest I, immediately get that. No. Okay. So, but I, I think it was a pretty short vestation period. Like it was right. pretty good. And so, uh, <laughs> so I get the, um, so the whole, the whole news comes down, you know, I'm, I'm reading about it in deadline that they're going to shut the place down. That's how you find you out. Know? Well, no, I mean, to be fair, like, you know, uh, Nancy Tellum and Jordan Levin, who are like amazing people, um, you know, were very, very vocal about, you know, Hey, like we're going to try to work this out and we'll see what happens. And, you know, and one day it was like this very emotional, you know, um, because we really built like this family and this place that right. I think people really like each other. And we all felt like we were on this mission and she was like, you know, and she was emotional and she was like, look, we're, you know, um, that's it. You know, we've got, uh, we've got a couple of weeks left. Wow. Um, and you know, but there was a lot of, we had been very, very overt and, 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 and in the market, you know, we'd been, you guys were buying it was, and we were very visible. So with that visibility came, I think, some real risk as well because mm-hmm. I don't it was it sort of showed you how surprised everyone was like we weren't we were surprised I think that that right. was going to happen the way that it did and how long had you been there at that point when when that news drops um not even two years wow and so what happened was they didn't give me my stock and because you had invested yet contractually invested, but was the vesting like three years no I was really close <laughs> like two years and they cut you off just before two years like it was like I was like maybe like a month come on so of course I lost it and I get, I said, all right, cool. Um, great. This is awesome. Well, I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to go down to Seattle and I'm going to sit with the president of Xbox and I'm going to tell them that I want my check. <laughs> you know I mean? Did you really? Yeah. Um, you so flew to Seattle. Yeah. So I went down there and I basically just waited. All right, Mark, you're a badass. Yeah. I didn't know this. So I waited there, stood there and, uh, <laughs> drank a lot of coffee. And uh, and you just pulled a Costanza. It's like you never left the office. Had the <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Wait, George, uh, you we can't not, fire you me. Get... I don't even work here. Yeah, so I, you know, I, so I, uh, so yeah, so I basically go down there. I wait outside. Um, eventually, they see me, and I have this great conversation, and it was like really awesome, and everybody was really happy by the end, and there was a lot of there was handshaking, great job, and all this kind of stuff, and I never heard from them again. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you're definitely gonna have to cut some of this, but that's, that's besides the point. But, uh, it's a good thing she's not here. Brooke's not here. But, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. We kept the, by the way, just so everyone knows, the publicist wanted to stay for the interview. And Ari was like, no, I think I'd be more comfortable if you didn't sit. And I, of course, I didn't want her here either because I don't want anybody yeah. you know, editing you. Uh, thanks for sharing that. So, on the heels of yeah. that. So, on the heels of that, you know, Phil, who I had known, because uh, I did a show called The Pitch at AMC. Right. Now, I'm sitting there, and I'm at AMC, and we're trying to do this intersection between um, commercial and sophisticated, right? Which is right. just, like, really, really freaking hard. We've all been trying to do it, right? And how do you build off the scripted hits at AMC so with Mad Men running hot at that time, exactly. The Pitch made so much sense? Exactly. So what they did was they made these companion series, and they put The Pitch on, and The Pitch was, like, Beautiful, you know, and credit to uh, you know Eli Holtzman's company at the right. time, which was Studio Stephen Lam- Lam- Stephen Lambert, Stephen Lambert, yeah. and Studio Lambert. What an incredible show! And I'm sitting in there, and I'm like, oh man, this is the best job ever. Like, this is going to be beautiful. And I'm seeing the footage come in, and I'm like, who the hell is shooting this? Like, what? 
who is this person? And it turned out to be Phil Lott. Wow. And, and so, you know, we strike up a friendship and, you know, you know how it is in this business. Like, find, once you find those pieces of talent, like showrunners especially, like, you really got to hold on to them. And so mm. I just kept tabs on him as the pitch went on to his second season. Um, and he went on to other things. And he was at, um, he was at Gurney for a long time and okay. was a big part of their success. He, you know, when I went over to Xbox, we had this street soccer series called Every Street United. And it needed a lot of help. Mm. And I had come in when... 85% of the show was already shot. Mm. And the folks at Microsoft were like, hey, we've got to, this has got to work. You know, this is really has to work. This has to be a great show. And um, the people who had filmed that footage at that time, it just, it wasn't crafted like a TV series. Let's just put it that way. Okay. You know, it was soft documentary sort of footage. Sure. Um, and I called Phil and I was like, hey, buddy, uh, you want to go to the World Cup in Rio? And he's British. So he's like, of course. You know, um, bad British accent. And, uh, and so I was like, well, whatever, whatever your rate is, you know, we'll pay it. <laughs> Just please come and help me because I can't do this myself. So he jumps on a plane. We go down to Rio for seven days and we literally shoot half the entire series. Wow, and just like, and it was, and that was gorgeous. And and then in know? the heat of battle, in production, in the heat in of a battle, strange right? location, in the heat of battle, and everybody were like, you, but that's how you guys kind of felt yeah. your partnership, exactly. you, and you felt a rapport. And when you're in a favela, <laughs> and Phil pulls out like, uh, we, we all have those stories, yeah. And Phil pulls out his 35 millimeter lens kit or whatever, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, it's gonna be gorgeous. I'm like, okay, whatever. And he's shooting slow motion of soccer balls. You know, you do see your life pass before your eyes, and you realize, well, you know, um, clearly, I, you know, I can do this, and we're we're making this, we're doing this, you know, and and it's good. So maybe we should keep doing it. You so know? with all your own money, and did you borrow money? Uh, I borrowed some money from my family, based in New York. Uh, no, so I had already moved out to LA for AMC at this point. Okay, so I was LA based. Okay, um, and you were LA for Xbox. And I was LA for Xbox. Right. So you stayed in so LA. I'm in LA. Phil's in Venice. Okay. And we uh, he, we actually used the Xbox offices at the time, and it was you know covered in whiteboards. That place, like the entire place, you could write on every wall. Huh. You know, it was a really cool office. So what we did was we basically, you know, I actually said, I am not risking all of the work that I've done up to this point to go out into the market and to be the producer who walks into that room with a piece of shit tape. Right. That I that they know themselves they wouldn't buy, and try to convince someone else to buy it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. Right. I'm like, if we're, we're going to walk into the room, and we're going to ask someone to invest millions of dollars on a three minute sizzle, you know, those tapes better be special. You know, um, nobody needs another production company. Right. You know? And 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 Phil had all of his own equipment. Yeah, Phil. Phil has. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't need much. Right. Uh, Phil has a camera, and he has. You know, he had a little uh, <laughs> Adobe Premiere. Right. You know, it's like <laughs> right, which is fine. So yeah, which works. Which is all you need for a which, sizzle, which totally works. Um, you know, and I know how to shoot and edit, but God, it feels so much better. Right. You know, right. and so it naturally started happening as our roles started, you know, forming there, where it was like, well, Phil's so great at execution, and you know, I'm pretty decent at ideation, and so together it was like, okay, well. You know, and I've seen everything. Like, you know, right. I'm sure you have too, but like we've right. seen just, you know, we, I know everything that's out there. So, you know, I can immediately say, no, that's right. never going to work and here's why. Or no, that's not, you know, there is this sort of like, we tend to, we almost like we pre-pass on our own it stuff. Se- it, seems like we're right? sim- it seems like we're similar in that way because yeah. I'm really hard on my own slate. Yeah. And I always tell people, like, at, at least yeah. I can only speak for all three media. Like, I think I pitch the least. Mm-hmm. 
of everybody at all three. Mm-hmm. And I came from a school or I should say a prior company where the philosophy was the opposite, where it's like, take out a hundred things you kind of like. And I told myself when I go run my own shop, I'm going to take out 10 things that I love. And it seems like that's kind of the philosophy you subscribe to, right? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I think like, but there is that, I want to, I want to get to when you launch the company, you do start taking out pitches. There is that humbling moment, right? In the early pitch days where you just get punched in the gut. Like I remember you come in hot and heavy. You're ready to take on the world. You know, when I first got to the the pod I was overseeing at at all three, uh, a few years ago, I get there and I'm taking on my first set of pitches and I'm just getting pass, pass, pass. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, God, this is the future. Like I've I've made a horrible mistake going out on my own. Right. Do you remember a vivid pitch meeting? Yes. Early on that just like kept you up at night? Well, I'll tell you what it was for me. It was uh, to be fair, it wasn't the the experience that we had was out of the gate. We uh, those tapes that I just told you about that we said we're going to make these ourselves before we go out because we want to first self-determine. Right. Not, not just write things on a board, but actually make some stuff because we want to determine not only what the brand's going to look and feel like, but do we like it? Cuz right. if I don't like it, I'm not going out with it. And that became the company philosophy mm. where to your point, like we're just, we're very critical and we're like, if I'm not going to get behind this, I'm not selling it. And, and that's maybe because we're not good salesmen. I don't know. You mm. know, and, me, and other people I know in our business, who we both know, they could, they're great salesmen, you right. know? So you don't think you're a good salesman? Um, it's just that if I don't believe in it, okay. I, 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 not, not, right. It's not that I can't sell. I just don't want to. Some people have and the I ability that that to some, sell things, anything. whether they believe in it or totally. not. Totally. Got it. Exactly. That's the distinction you're making. Exactly. Right? And so, um, you know, so what happened with us was we went out to those first pitch meetings and people were really genuinely excited. Like right. they genuinely were excited, not only by the tapes, but they were excited by us as a partnership. So we did experience like some real positivity that totally caught me off guard right out of the gate. Huh. I think where I started to really get punched in the gut was when I was living in a um, one bedroom house as our office uh, in Culver City. Um you know, like the, some family had lived there before us and had just moved out and they had like their toys still like sitting on the floor. And I had, we had an at one avid, like sitting in the middle of the thing. And, you know, we had sold at that point, a couple of presentation tapes and a pilot. Right. And it was that moment when I was like, I don't know if any of these are going to go. Am right. I have to do this all over again. Right. What if none of these go like, great. I sold a bunch of development. Like now what, you right. know, and, you, and you're married. Oh God. I have three children. You have three children. You have three children. Okay, so going back when you when when you were like when you were like, oh, I've got to worry. I never worry. I'm not risk adverse. You have three. There might be something wrong with me. When I first started, I didn't have any. You went out on your own with three already in this in this world. Yeah. Holy crap! And you were living in the one bedroom. Uh, No, when I say living, I mean working. Working. Working It was like a living house. Like we shouldn't have been. Did your wife work? Like now, and looking back, people would walk in and look at. Right. Uh, people would come into meetings and be like, what? Why, <laughs> right. where, why is there a shower curtain? Like in the, um, in my wife uh, stays home with my kids. Thank God. Dude, you had a stay-at-home wife and, and four mouths she to feed. She was a lawyer. Does that help? You sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Four, four mouths to feed. Don't, don't make it like, you know, mouths to feed. You know, everybody gets so hung up on, you know, this idea of, oh, my God, you have children. So risky. Like they're going to be living out on the street or something. Like. Look, clearly we can get jobs. We're very lucky. You could have always gotten. You could have always get jobs. You could have gotten a network executive. Yeah, go be a consultant for a little while. Like whatever. There's things you can do to make money. I mean, I think that. See, I just picture myself like down and out in Beverly Hills. Like I just picture myself like (laughs) Nick Nolte going through dumpsters. (laughs) If this doesn't work out. No, I mean, look. There's definitely obviously that's the fear element, right? And that's always in the back of your head. But the truth is, is that you know the financial piece. wasn't really ever about, I think, 
the immediate because like you know you can max out credit cards for a year or two it's not the end right. of the world um and to be fair i did have a bunch of exec jobs leading up to it so i had saved up some money okay i think it was much harder for phil frankly you know who right. you know i come from you know i'm a because he can't just go take freelancing jobs while you're trying to launch a company yeah exactly or it have to be the right jobs exactly right exactly so he has and, to turn down gigs because he's trying to launch this exactly business. and right. i think the part though that was scary wasn't the immediate when we were in it in that early stage it was thinking are we going it, it was when you make that decision that you know what i'm really all in now it's not just like oh i'm going to do this for a while and see if it takes heat right and that's i think the difference of it's a mental shift so i think once you go all in that's when it really gets scary but the truth is is that you know paying 3000 a month for a dump in you know culver city and having one bay and a couple presentation tapes going where we're making all the stuff remember we're writing the treatments, we're right. shooting the tapes, we're editing the tapes. Right. So we're not there. We don't have any expenses. Right. You know, and then we sold a one big pilot out of the gate. So, you know, you have a little bit of that. Mm. So we always had just a little bit of runway. And that was the thing that, that was the thing that sort of gives you a little bit of that hope. The problem is, is I think is that once you start having a little bit of success and you realize there's kind of no turning back, mm. like it's not like, like now if it didn't work, it's a failure. Right. To me, it's just a failure. Right. If it didn't work before, mm. it was like, oh, that was kind of a cool experiment. And we did it. And we could say we did it. Right. And who knows? Maybe we'll try it again one day. Right. You know, but now it definitely feels like there's real investment. Um, we own things now. We own equipment. Right. You know, we own bays. Um, we have people who rely on us now who work at our company. You know, right. at that point, How many it was just now? us. So it's three and a half years. It's been three and a half years since you launched? Yeah. Well, we only have, I mean, staff, I think we only have about... Like full, full, full time, we have about four people, okay. and then we have um, a couple of overalls. Right. Um, the rest of it's all freelance. Yeah, you're getting into the overall game now. Yeah. So you've got two showrunner overalls. Pushing on that, yeah. So you're starting to really push yeah. into like a studio system. I'll tell you why. I didn't. Did uh, you listen to the Brett Montgomery interview I did? I did. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. See, so it seems like you're starting to like venture yeah. down that road now. Well, he's a smart dude. He's a very smart guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's the other thing is like I – well, whatever. Maybe that's off topic. But I don't – the other piece of it is I think people – and I'm sure people who listen to this like we don't know what we're doing. Like I, I don't <laughs> – I, I genuinely don't know what I'm doing. Like I, I, and when I say that, I mean like I, I have very good instincts and I know – I've creatively have a really good like North Star. Yeah. But that's it. Like I, I don't know. I don't have a – Wait, but, who, but you must be getting like a consigliere you know, from WME or somebody to help you grow this business or give you counsel, right? Mm, no, I mean I need – I like counsel. That's why who, I'm here. Who, who's your team at WME? <laughs> no, my, the WME team's great. Um, we've got uh, Dave Sherman, Josh Biter, Ryan McNeely. Love these people. Um, Does Ryan McNeely not look like he could be a state senator? Josh Pite. So, he's so dreamy. He is. Ryan McNeely. He looks a little like Clark Kent. Yes. <laughs> also. Yes. Where's but he like, from but again? Like Clark, he from? Clark Kent's much more handsome, you know, cooler right. brother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he looks more like Superman than Clark Kent. I know. We should beat him up. Uh, and it, I love Josh Pye, too. I go way back with Josh. Yeah, those guys. And Maggie, also. It's a, it's um, a good group over there. Yeah, I mean, is uh, – who's – yeah, no, it's a funny thing. It's also because, like, I kind of feel like they're people that I can be friends with. Yeah. Which is also kind of weird because I'm like – Wait, are we friends or are we? What is this? Yeah, but that's how I feel about this whole business that always threw me off. Was like, there's no line between 
the social and the professional. It's yeah. like, oh, it's all the same. Some people blur it too much. Yeah, some people. <laughs> some people blur it too <laughs> much. Too I much. probably, I, I probably keep a distance. Yeah, I, think, exactly. I think more than others. Like yeah, I well, just, I just go home and stress. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> I just go home my kids and stress. And by the way, I'm a nervous wreck. So if you think that for some reason, I mean, it's just. I'm risk averse, uh, you know, or I'm not risk averse. You really are painting this image that you're just like this swinging pirate. I know, and funny, and I feel like you sort of backed me into it. But like, <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, is that I just, um, I'm like uber focused on making the things that I want to make, and I just don't do well with judgment. Like, I don't really yeah. want to hear what other people think about the projects that much to be honest like well, well, i don't know is that a bad thing to say no it's not a bad thing yeah. to say at all you said like i'm gonna make tapes that i love so when i bring it into the room it's gonna be undeniable and yeah. there's not much left to pitch it's gonna be undeniably like, if the tape exactly. says what it is there's exactly. not a lot from and it's left. gonna be undeniably good right. and we're gonna have already thought through the pitfalls of why it wouldn't be good but are you really saying your tapes are so good you haven't had one bad pitch meeting because i'm trying to get a bad pitch <laughs> meeting story out of you and, and you're and you're giving me nothing am i the only one that's bad, bad network i've had bad i've most of the bad i mean the pitch meeting is like look i mean <laughs> Do you know how many pitches I sat took? You know, like right. I, I, the pitches is is I can't tell you the bad. Pitch Do you just try to make it? How really can I quick? tell you about? I'm literally going to insult people. Oh, that you took when you no no like- people who I've pitched. Yes, I mean I, they will be very insulted. I mean, the, you're like, go ahead. Yeah, it's not me doing it. You're like, you're, Brooke's not here. <laughs> Brooke's not here. Pierre's uh, not here. We kicked her out. You know, I I. Uh, you don't have to name a name, but get unless you really want to. We had one meeting. With someone who's very, very, very senior in the business. And um, that person would not make eye contact with Phil. So no matter what Phil said, it this was is, fucking hilarious. This is a digital company? I'm not telling you who it is. If, if They would not make eye t- contact with Phil. Throughout the whole pitch meeting. So for whatever reason... He, he kept trying to say something. By the way, I usually don't let Phil talk during pitches, which is a whole other story. <laughs> you have the guy with the British accent and you don't let him talk? No, but the, the reason why, I only let him talk at choice moments. And then when he talks, I think he's some kind of savant. Oh, then it means something. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a smart strategy. No, he's, he's actually a fucking genius. But, so this guy's not making so he's eye not contact. He's not making eye contact. Phil's getting more like a little bit like frustrated because he's like, what's going on here? You <laughs> know, like, what am I doing wrong? And I was like, oh, you know, whatever. And... The meeting goes terribly just because, like, they clearly aren't interested in meeting with us. Right. So it's like, wow, like, why are we here? Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. want us here. Been We're not there. important enough for you. Been you're there. bored. You're on your phone. You know, just like terrible, terrible, terrible. It's essentially asleep. And here's the worst part. The worst part is I'm doing my tap dance. Because remember, he's not looking at Phil. Right. And nobody else is talking in the meeting. There's this other person in the meeting, too. That person's not talking either. Right. So... And and the guy I'm pitching isn't talking, so I'm just going, you know, doing my thing, and I'm talking, and I'm talking, and I'm talking, and I'm like, and then that's it, and there's nothing left to say because they're not saying anything. So I'm like, and there's no social cue on their part to end the meeting. Wow. So we're just sitting there. Come on, seriously. Wait, wait, hold on. For a while, sitting in silence. So you just stop talking, waiting for him to say something. No, no. I mean, I I was doing my tap dance. Then we're sitting in silence. Yeah. And I'm like. Well, I mean, should we just? I mean, we could just go. Should we just stop? You did that. Well, what else am I supposed to say? Well, I, that, I, I genuinely, I couldn't oh, get up. I couldn't just no, get up. We've all been there yeah. where we've thought that. So embarrassing. We've all thought about saying that at and some point. The thing point. is, I'm embarrassed for them. Like, I don't even like. Wait, so, what did they say? Uh, no, they got up. They but, get, but, but I had to be like, they just, they should just we ended stand it. up? And they stood up, and the meeting was over. How long ago was this? Um, I want to say it was about two years ago. But I'm not telling you who it is. 
Okay. Because you're already getting There screwed. is one executive. I'm already that, dead on the other stuff. There is one executive <laughs> that never Okay, I just mouthed it to you. Okay, yes, I was right. I guessed it. That How'd you guess that? Because I had the same experience. That's awesome. I came in, yeah. I would come in multiple times to pitch, and this person <laughs> would, would not look at the television that the system I can't was believe playing that's on. The same person. Would not look at the television. Yeah. And I'm like the tape, right, right, right. Wasn't paying attention the, to the tape. The tape is playing. Why are they not watching the television? They have this big, beautiful, big screen in here. And, and by the way, I played them. I think – you know what? Here's what I think. The best tape. I, of course, because your tape's amazing. <laughs> Fuck you. But here's, but, but here's the thing. I don't think it was an insult. I think, I think he has vision problems. Oh. Yeah. Is that right? This, this and is, he's deaf this, too. This is what I've arrived no? – I don't know about the deaf oh. part. But this is what I've arrived at. I, I think honestly he, he had – Vision issues, and that's why he wasn't making eye contact with people, and that's why he wasn't watching things. Oh, now I feel bad. Everyone's going to have to guess who this <laughs> is one day. Uh, that's awesome. Ample. Yeah. Why Ample? How did that, how did that company name jump into your head or, uh, or Phil's head? Ample. Uh, I can't give Phil credit for anything. <laughs> so when you uh, created Ample. <laughs> you didn't do anything. Do you remember the exact moment where you were? Uh, yes. Um, was it significant or was, was it just like you're going over 300 names on paper? Oh, no, 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 no. Creativity, as you know, is not significant <laughs> or interesting in any way. It's literally putting your head down and sweating it out and having a piece of paper in front of you. Like right. anybody who tells you otherwise isn't doing anything. But um, it was pretty obvious once we came up with it. We named the company Ample because A-M is Ari Mark, P-L is Phil Lott. Oh, geez. And then the E... We, makes were it, like, makes it a we were like, uh, entertainment. But truthfully, the entertainment uh, we never put in there. It just people started calling it ample entertainment. Ample entertainment. So we just went with it. I have one. I have one pop culture reference using the word ample. What is it? And it's from the 1989 classic Parenthood. Oh. And it's. Do you know the film? Of course. Okay. So is it Jason Robards? Is the dad yeah, in the movie? Right. Yes. And but I don't know the reference. Steve Martin has a deadbeat brother. It's the actor that was in Amadeus, mm-hmm. and he has the son named Cool, mm-hmm. and he has a gambler, yeah. and he has a gambling problem. Yeah, yeah, and at yeah. one point, he goes it's kind to, of a sad storyline. Sad storyline, yeah. and he goes to Jason Robards, the dad, the elderly dad, and he asks him for money to help his gambling debt, mm-hmm. and Robards offers him some figure, and he, the guy just goes, "Ample, ample." Oh, really? I don't remember that. Yeah, and I remember it perfectly well. I remember the garage scene. Oh, sure. When he tries to sell the car. It's just very depressing. So I don't know how it took us down that road. <laughs> I have the habit of doing that. My mind is just this weird mash of just, you just awful. just a treasure po- trove of information. Offer. Well, speaking of treasure. <laughs> oh, no. Look at that transition. Um, okay, so you had a place now where you named your company Ample, and you are now partnered with Amblin. Mm-hmm. This is Steven Spielberg's. Yeah. Now, now, people may not know this, but... Amblin for some time was like retired. It was like the retired brand and he was only producing things under DreamWorks. Recently, Steven dusted off the Amblin brand and what I've been told, and I may be wrong, but what I've been told is when he puts Amblin on something now, it means it is a project that is somewhat more precious to Steven. Is that what you were told at some point? And how on earth did you partner with Steven Spielberg and have you met him? Oh man. Yeah, no, that's, it's a really actually a pretty good story and and no I didn't I didn't know what you just said though about Amblin being Stephen more involved or anything I, I I wasn't aware it was at one time I don't know if that's still the case yeah I wasn't aware of that's that. what I was but that's interesting and I I what ultimately happened with us was a kind of a weird scenario because uh, so I don't want to get into the whole story of the origin of Cooper's Treasure because it's kind of a long one right but essentially. I found this guy, and he knew this astronaut, and I just kept digging and digging and digging, and we hit it off. And it turned out that he shared an office with Gordon Cooper mm. uh, when Gordon was older. 
and retired already from, from NASA and all that good stuff. And before Gordon died, he gave him a stack of files. And, and, okay. and I was like, can I see those files? You know, and it's like one of those. And um, so obviously right away we knew it was something really special. And Phil and I rented a boat in Marina Del Rey. And literally, I swear to you, in one day, shot the tape, uh, spent another two days cutting it, went to real screen that same week. No way. And went straight to series. Yeah. Real screen East. Yeah. It was. You know, that your, was that your first real screen as a company? Second. Second, okay. It was a really strong. It's just a really, really, just amazingly strong, you know, piece of tape. So Amblin and, came in after you sold it, and so interestingly, they came in after, and so it was one of those situations where it wasn't that we needed them for the sale, right? It was that we genuinely thought they were going to be pretty freaking additive, you know? Yeah. And I think oftentimes people mistake those celebr- those sort of celebrity attachments as not being additive, and but who first we've actually su- had the cases where they have? But who first suggests it? Is WME. It- WME does. So you've already yeah. got it sold. It was, it was probably Ryan McNeely, probably. You've already, he's handsome and smart. He's so cute. And <laughs> you guys already sell to series. You have a series yeah. offer. Mm-hmm. So it's already going. We also had an offer ser- straight to series from Netflix. Okay. Okay. That's an, that's an interesting story. I want to know how, how it got yeah. there. Um, they, WME says, look, you already have a series order. Let's add Amblin on top of it because it will only bring more attention to the project. And maybe the, the network will put more marketing dollars behind it with that name behind it? Yeah, I mean, our logic at the time, and look, we were... Because Discovery doesn't do a lot of big-name celebrity attachments as producers. I know. I mean, look, I think part of it was it was, you know, Rich Ross was president at the time, mm. you know, um, so I think he was okay with it, and he has a relationship with them as well. Um, you know, you're right, because they don't usually do that. I think for this project, because of the content and the scale and scope of the project and the the, lar- the sort of the gigantic nature of the promise of the series, which was we're going to explore space and the ocean and we have a treasure map. And, you know, it's like all these things just layering it on that you sort it sort of begs for that sort of bigness, you mm-hmm. know, and that extra sort of layer of profile. And so at the time, it all just sort of made sense and fit together. Oh, it completely. Um, I mean, yeah. The story of it is completely yeah. a Steven Spielberg story. But the reason we brought them on was truly because – um, Daryl Frank and Justin Falvey are just um, – they're smart. They're just some of the best in the they're business. They're just smart. You know, and I, I, I think, look, were we enamored by the fact that Steven Spielberg had seen our tape? <laughs> yes. Yes. We were like freaking out. That's where I was going to go next. Did- I mean literally walking around like those that weird hotel in D.C. and me and Phil like <laughs> literally just being like <laughs> – I mean Phil is very uh, – he's, because he's the sweetest guy on earth. He sort of wears it on his sleeve, and like he, so um, he's so passionate about filmmaking that the idea that Steven Spielberg had seen something that he cut right was like, was did you get mind blowing at any point in the process? Were there any emails or anything that says Steven has this note? Um, Have you ever gotten a Spielberg note on on the series directly? Like yes, cited in an email. One note, and it was a really good note. Uh, after episode one, after we cut episode one, Steven saw it and he said, um, I love it. He said, I'm hooked like a flounder. <laughs> that was the note. So the note wasn't even a note. It was just a compliment. It was great. So I, so now I have, so Did now you write, Phil and I, I have a flounder in our office. That's, have you written him like a letter or anything? Like, have you like taken this as like a way to write him like a stationary note? Uh, like a thank you know you? what? I know because I, you just hate Steven Spielberg? <laughs> I love Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I don't think that I 
should be writing to him. <laughs> like, I just don't, I, I'm too, I feel too small. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to write to him. You're risk averse. Yeah, I'm risk averse. Yeah, according to you, I'm like some badass. Favorite Spielberg related work, yeah. whether, it's, whether it's directing or producing? Uh, it's good you're taking this long because this is a hard question. It is. Do you want me to go really, first? It's really hard. I mean, I guess E.T. E.T. is a good answer. There's no wrong answer. Did you say Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, I was going to say Back to the Future. Oh, that's so good. I mean, how do you pick between those three? <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's our childhoods. We're probably about the same age. I'm probably older than you. I'm, but... Well, you have the three kids. So maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you probably you feel, want them? You, you can have one of them. You probably feel older regardless. <laughs> I'm 36. I'm about to be 37. Oh, yeah. You're younger than me. Yeah. I mean, but again. I'm, I'm 52. No, I'm just kidding. There's nobody. No, I, mean, I'm not I, was, I was about to throw you out the window. I was like, you look way too good to be 52. <laughs> I'm 52 yeah. You know, Ryan McNeely is 70 years old. <laughs> so, he definitely uh, works out. So, sure. your PR team, your, your fleet of, of PR uh, publicists, oh, God. they sent me the stats. You launched three years ago. You probably produced over 40 hours of programming in three years, but for 2018, you already have 50 hours of new programming. I, I don't think 50 life. is accurate. I think it's a little less than that. You have 60 hours of programming. <laughs> Shut up. No, but that's, that's what happened. I mean, you have, let's just go through the list. You have Cooper's Treasure coming back for season two uh, soon, June 22nd. We're recording this uh, at Real Screen West, so you might be listening to this a little bit behind. Murder in the Heartland for ID. By the way, is ID not the best network oh to work with? Oh, my God. Aren't they the best? I love that. I mean, I, and I never do this on you the show. You have a show. Don't you have a show? I do, you have yeah. Bre- Breaking Homicide. Breaking right? Homicide, yeah. yeah. Congrats. Uh, thank you. And I hope, hopefully I'll be joining you with the season two, uh, knock, knock on wood. But I never say this. I never, like, blow up people on the show. But aren't they the easiest to work and with? And the thing is, I'm, I'm so embarrassed because every time I see them, I'm, like, gushing to them about them. Yeah. To the point that I probably seem like the biggest kiss-ass in the world. I but, know. But, like, the truth of the matter but is. But they know their audience. The truth of the matter is, is they are so damn clear. Yeah. And organized. And to the point, And they're really behind our shows. Yeah. And I'm just, like, and they're nice about it. Yes. So, like, I really, I know. There's, like, literally nothing to complain about. So, it's very confusing. Was that your Very, sim, was that your sim experience with Discovery on Cooper's Treasure? Uh, yeah, I mean it was you know a little different. Um, you know there was I mean the, look leadership has totally changed there, so I have no idea where they're headed, but I think they're headed in the right direction. Um, I think the difference with Discovery is also like I think it feels like with them is that every show for them feels like they're they have a lot at stake, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. so I think there's a lot of pressure on them. Right. To make those, you know, to make those numbers really, really work. Um, so there's, it always feels like there's less room for experimentation on that network, mm. um, and it's hard, you know, to get something sh- perfectly right, not only for us creatively, but for their audience out of the gate. And I never made a discovery show before, you know. Right. So as it, it was like, okay, you know, I'm just going based on my creative instincts. Your audience loves, you know, cranes, so we need to put <laughs> cranes in there. You know what I mean? So it's like I, yeah. that's inform- So that's where the partnership piece comes. Is like you guys need to tell me. What do you need to make this a success? And I think that what we've done in season two is we have literally um, – it's been the merging of the minds. You know? So right. now what it is is a lot of the things that we learned from season one that, di- that really felt like a little bit over the heads of some of the Discovery Channel audience, right. we've been able to you – know, without dumbing it down, we've been able to get that stuff in there. So for example – you know, it's a much more of an ensemble-based show. Mm. So, like, you're really with his boys, you know, with Daryl and his team. And so, um, and through that, you get much more process. You've got your Mac specialist. You've got your salvage expert. You know, you've got your, um, uh, who else do we have on there? Well, oh, we've got our archaeologist. So right. everybody's got their sort of key 
you know, their key roles. And then the other piece of it is that I think, you know, maybe, the, and this is a lot of sort of what History Channel does, is amping up the mystery to the point where, you know, you're really, really yanking this thread and teasing the audience with possibility. So, mm. hey, I don't know what this ship pin is, but it could be this, this, or this. Right. Oh, shit, that's cool. Let's, you know, follow that lead. And so really pushing on, you know, to Discovery's credit, like really pushing us on this kind of, um, on that historical sort of currency and what if, right. you know, scenarios. Um, so well, yeah, yeah, go ahead. well I want to keep going through all yeah. your shows because I have much more time with you. Uh, cold Case Files, I'm really intrigued by. Uh, you're partnered with Blumhouse on this. Did A&E resurrect Cold Case Files with Blumhouse? Like they got their hands on the property. And from what I was told, this was, this was a jump ball. Right, like you were competing with other companies to yeah. get cold case files, yeah. and you you came in and you shot amazing tape and yeah. you outperformed yeah. your competition. And now that is like a flagship yeah. show for for Ample yeah. in my eyes. Right, it's a flagship show. I don't see it as a flagship show because I don't know what kind of life it has at A and E. From being totally honest, with oh you. really? Yeah. So you know you can keep that in or cut it out. But I. Okay. <laughs> but the well, when did the last series run? When, when did the last season run? It ran last year. So they didn't renew it. They didn't renew it. Which was a huge surprise. And um, I could definitely get into it if you want. But essentially, past tense, past tense crime show, even though the brand is super iconic, they've just moved completely. In case you haven't noticed. Yeah. They've just moved completely away from it. Huh. So, um, you know, Laura Fleury, who was really the champion for that show, um, you know, isn't in an original programming role anymore. And I think mm. that also what happened is, is that um, – I'm so sorry to bring this up, by the way. Like, I was like, uh, I should have done my homework. Oh, no, 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 it's stuff. fine. Because yeah. I was so impressed that it got brought back. I and know, guys, so was I. And you guys did such a good and job. And by the way, it. the story of how we got the business was like, we literally knew that it was a huge opportunity. And so we right. put in extra resources and time to make sure that I was we were going to get that, that business. I was told yeah. that by an A&E executive, yeah. that it was a jump ball, it was a bake-off, yeah. as they say. And you guys put your heart and soul into that yeah. tape yeah. and completely reconfigured yeah. how to remake yeah. this show. Exactly. And you and you earned the business. That was a heartbreaker, man. I mean, if you talk about yeah. the ups and downs of the business, right? That's a heartbreaker. Huge, because you're just like, what an opportunity. So now I'm upset for you. <laughs> yeah, man, it killed me. Uh, but that was actually my biggest. I think out of everything we've done so far, biggest that disappointment. One hurt the most. I just had a I just had a series get canceled too. So my, my, it really my, hurts. My scripted series it at really E really hurts. Gone. Easy yeah. come, easy go. I know. Uh, right. Nine months with Courtney Cox. Oh, so good. Um, what is this? And th- is this is this uh, is WME the- setting you up with Courtney Cox, or how does this come about? WME, to their freaking credit, Ryan motherfucking McNeil. <laughs> Courtney Cox <laughs> knows a handsome face when she sees one. Um, yeah, right, exactly. Um, introduced us um, because we made this reel about pregnancy. Oh. Um, and it's entirely self-shot. So... Uh, it has this sort of feeling of intimacy and rawness that you just never see. Mm. Um, and Courtney, who's a mom and just was like, is super passionate about the space, saw the tape and just went nuts, mm. nuts. And that has been definitely probably the best partnership I've ever been part of. Really? Um, with a network? With anyone. No. Oh, I'm with Courtney? Courtney. Yeah. I mean, she is like so funny, right? Cause celebrities, you see them one way and then you don't know what kind of person they're going to be when you actually meet them. Right. Um, I mean, she's just so freaking like on it, additive, passionate, went at, was in every pitch, 
Wow. Pushed and pushed and pushed. That's awesome. Um, and the, so we're hoping to do a lot more with her. That's cool, man. That's my plan. And man. what's the what's the order? How, Ten episodes on Facebook. Okay. And it's been look. I mean, it's it's a new it's a network that is figuring out who they are. You right. Know, um, and but I mean, but it's cool to be what, part of it. This is what's yeah. genius about the idea yeah. for Facebook, and it yeah. just hit me is yeah. what are most exactly. most of the pictures and sharing that's done online. And the people doing it that's are moms at home with yeah. kids that have either been through pregnancy or about to go through pregnancy. Right? And that's the reason that was really our first choice. And that's we, really we, smart. We were just so convinced that I needed to land there. Yeah. So, you know, at some point I was even like, hey, Courtney, can you call them or go in? And she, <laughs> and she did. She just does anything. Well, it's on the west side, right? Yeah. If, if, <laughs> right. if, if Facebook's on the, uh, downtown, exactly. you're not getting her in that picture. It was helpful. That helped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. You, before we wrap up, and I should have probably done this earlier, but uh, we, we got off to such a hot start. No, it's okay. You, had an, you have an MFA in film production uh, from San Francisco State. Are you a NorCal guy? No, no, no. I'm a Brooklyn guy. How'd you, how, um, yeah, how'd you arrive at San Francisco State? Uh, after 9-11 in New York, I sort of was like, all right, I'm out. Um, and I applied to like the top, you know, whatever it was, 10 film schools. Um, and they have a really strong documentary program. So I, being a New Yorker, knowing nothing about California, jumped on a plane. Uh, got accepted, obviously, first before I jumped on the plane. Mm. Hadn't visited. Never been to California. Really? And just started the program. And I was in shock because, as it turns out, Northern California is not a lot like Southern California. <laughs> so I was like, where's the industry? Right. You know? Uh, You're like, well, we shot I was this, definitely we, the we, only we, Jewish we guy have in Mrs. the class. We have Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. We have Nash Bridges. I was, I was by far the only Jewish kid in the class. Right. Um, it was a really small group and highly experimental and documentary driven. Sure. Um, and it was interesting. It was a really interesting experience. And you did how many years there? Uh, it's a three-year program, but I, I did it in two. You did it in two years? Yeah. And I did then, it in two, a little over two years. Yeah. And then what was the first gig out of college? What, what broke you in? I c- couldn't get a job. I mean, getting, I, I, having my MFA meant nothing. Um, so yeah, you find that out pretty quick. I had to start you? at the bottom. Right. So I... You were PA? I started PAing. I started... Um, I was cleaning a production company at one point, which was like really embarrassing, <laughs> really pathetic. Oh my god! Um, I was willing to pretty much do anything. You know how it is. Yeah. You know, I was willing to do anything I, I could to sort of make some contacts and just hoping something would eventually give. And then at one point, I replied to one of those silly um, websites where right. you were like, "That you remember back?" I remember those. It was like showbizjobs.com yeah, 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 exactly. and like TV careers and yeah, the entertainment like entertainment partners, yes, or something. No, 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 no not not it's entertainment not the careers company. Careers, yes, entertainmentcareers.net. Yep. And so I uh, responded to like you know I, every day I'd go on and just throw yep. my resume out there, and uh, one recruiter was like, "All right, let's meet for coffee." And, you know, we meet for coffee, and she's like, yeah, you're probably not going to get it. It's an assistant job. It's at Sundance. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, so Sundance good. was the first game. I got to get in Sundance. Um, and then I had this amazing interview with Lynn Kirby. Lynn Kirby. Who's yeah. The, who's the best. And she's so nice. She's like the best person in the world. I had this amazing interview with her. It was actually Purim. I don't know if you know the holiday Purim. Mm. Jewish holiday. You should okay. know it. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm making funny. Sorry. No, and, people think I am. But you know people what? People think I'm a member of the but, tribe, but I'm, I'm not. Oh, you're not. No, Do you I'm know not. what Yehomatashin are? Hamantashin, yeah. there are these triangle cookies that you eat on in, okay. on Purim, and the Jewish kids like, it's basically the Jewish Halloween. I'm here for that. I can get down for that. Okay, so yeah. I'll bring you some cookies next yeah. time. Anyway, it was Purim, and I brought a box of Hamantashin to the interview and was like, <laughs> Hey, I don't know. I thought like, you know, whatever. And I, I think that's probably the reason I got the job was the cookies. No, is that just yeah. – would you have done that 
for anybody or did you think Kirby meant anything like she No, 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 no. I was just You were just doing it. I would do anything. I was so desperate Because it was the holiday. Job. Yeah. Okay. And it was the holiday okay. and I thought it was a nice thing to do. Okay. Luckily, it turns out Lynn is like absolutely fascinated with all things religion and culture Amazing. related. Amazing. So it was like uh, you know, it was Amazing. like kind of from the heavens. It was like mana. It was very, it was very they're very good. good? Nice work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love how you're like people think I'm Jewish. Um, I know I get that. Yeah, no, I do. I, no, I mean yeah. I've gotten that many times. Yeah. Where especially people in our business, you yeah. know, that I work with, just will make. They're like, like, you know what I'm talking they'll about. They'll like poke me in the ribs. Be like, you know what I'm talking about, Fox. And I'm yeah, like, they're like, you know, Passover, Hanukkah. Like, you're like, what? I'm like, I mean, I've, I've, I've I had to set those yeah. dates aside for my old bosses, but uh, other than that, that's so. awesome. <laughs> All right, I'll, I won't have a mezuzah in my pocket, but I won't. Um. Any questions well, you want to ask me before we wrap? Was there anything I should have covered that I didn't? I mean, I mean, I kind of, you know, uh, yeah. No, what? What? What were you saying? I mean, the Xbox thing. I probably have to like. You think you need to tiptoe around that? Why? What are they going to do? They didn't pay you your, your shares. Yeah, that's true. It's pretty black and white. You didn't bash anybody personally. Okay, good. You, you didn't like rip a manager or anything. Okay, you said good, everybody good. was nice. <laughs> just corporate didn't pay you your shares. Right. I thought that was actually a pretty. They did not pay the shares. It's a good thing we didn't get too much into AMC. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I can... <laughs> oh, we're just out of time. Oh, sorry. Dude, I appreciate it, man. Thanks no, for coming no, on. It was good. I hope it was okay. It was good. Okay. It was good. Thanks, man. Now I'm nervous. I pre- no, good you're enough. good. You're good. You got PR. This is you're fine.